Awesome. Good morning. Grab a seat. Grab a bit of plastic. Thank you, worship team. Or can we give them a clap? <laughs> phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. We didn't collect tithes and offerings during that worship. If you try to bring it forward, you couldn't because there's no basket. We need Trudy. Where's Trudy? Trudy's coming back, everybody. Trudy's coming back. Um, I don't even know where the basket is. Can we... Hey, Dan, can you just chase... Or Kirsten, and can you get me some water, please, bud? We will have the basket, I promise. And what we're going to do is we're just going to leave it at the front and we can, um, we'll come and collect it. Graham's just going to share a quick testimony of their time in at the snow. No, it's not about the snow. About four or five months ago, I lost a ring that was very precious to me. Mary gave it to me just after we were married. And uh, anyway, it disappeared. I'd been everywhere. I searched the car. I searched my room. I searched everything. Couldn't find it. Anyway, I eventually told her that it was gone and she was little bit upset because she knew how precious it was to me. Anyway, I said, look, don't worry about it, darling. It will come back. And the other day I felt to wash the car, pretty rare, but I did. And uh, anyway, I thought, the thought came to me, go and put it on the, the verge beside us, uh, up on the footpath, and uh, which I did. And I was just hosing down the, the last wheel, the back wheel of the car, and right beside it, right beside it was my ring. And I immediately went in the next day and booked it in, and it's already been done. I've only got to pick it up. It will not fall off again. But he is awesome. Right? You believe and trust, you've got it. Well done. I want to honor these guys, man. The, the level of faith that they have and operate out of is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Come on. Come on. Um, as most of you know, we, um, me and Josh went over to China last couple of weeks. And um, just the amount of stuff that God's doing over there is pretty crazy. Just, you know, when you feel like the stars are just aligning. It, it was it was like that almost the whole time we were over there. So, just our supplier that we're currently using, it just turns out that everything that she wants is what we want, and it just it just connects up so beautifully. And even she could see it. Like we, me and Josh, didn't say anything to her, but she was she couldn't speak English properly, but she was going fate, fate, fate. And me and Josh were like, yeah, you, you say fate, we say God. So you know that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just wanted to thank everyone for their prayers and stuff while we we're over there. So. Cheers. Not only that, those, these two boys, while they were in China, were able to not only express who God is, but bring this lady on as a part of their, as an employee in China and pay her more than what she would get out of China. These guys have an opportunity to get cheap labor and pay her incredibly cheaply for a good job, but they're honoring the work she does and paying her what she's worth. So well done, boys. That's awesome. All right.
Let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. Holy Spirit, come and speak through me this morning. Allow that anything I say that's not from you to fall away, Father, but the things that you want to establish here this morning, God, may they be rooted in our hearts and may they change us, Lord. Change us to see you more, to know you more, to understand the power of your cross and to operate through that in our spheres. We love you and we just we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm nervous. Scary when I'm nervous. It's scary. I do, don't I? I got the. Woo! After last Sunday, I was I was incredibly touched. Last Sunday, I was I was moved in a, in a in a big way. I was incredibly challenged and excited by the way you guys responded to what God was saying and and took things on that has changed your life. I've heard testimony after testimony about last Sunday, and that's not because of what I did. It's because. As a family, we opened ourselves up to God and he moved through us. I got the opportunity to pray with my best mate of all time who's been hurt greatly by the church. And he, the way he responded, I knew God was here. So I just, I, I'm nervous because I, I don't want to get in the way. I, I know God is doing something in our lives and it's exciting. The things that we're hearing, the testimony we're, we're hearing coming through is phenomenal. So I just want to say, keep your heart open. Allow God to speak and to move through. And I promise your life will be changed. We're hearing so many testimonies. This Christian walk is so complicated yet so simple that when we, keep, when we give our heart to God and we say, Lord, come and have your way. You're everything to me. But it's got to go past what we say. I was praying along the line yesterday and Timmy, my best mate, was standing at the very end. And I don't know why, but in my spirit, I, I knew I had to be firm with him. And I said, I'm not praying for you unless you tell me why I've got to pray for you. And I was praying. For, I had Dan standing in front of me. And I said, I'm going to pray for Dan. You've got till I finish praying for him to tell me. So I finished praying for him. And I, I don't know why I was that stern. The, the, all, all I wanted to do was pray for him. And I stood before him and I said, bro, I'm not praying for you unless you tell me why. And he, he looked at me and said, I don't know why. And I said, I'm not praying for you. Why do you want me to pray for you? He said, I don't know. And then he burst into tears and he said, I, I cannot live like this anymore. That was his heart changing from Ben's going to pray for me to now I want God to come through me. His heart shifted. What I learned in that was God was telling me to get an answer out of him because when he positioned himself to want something, it changed what God did. When we come before him and say, God, I want you. Not this church leader wants me to have you. Not this church wants me to have you. I want you. God can work with that. I don't like the word revival. Shock and awe, I know. I don't like the word revival because to revive something means that something's dead. I don't believe the church is dead. But we do need a renewal. We do need an outpouring of him. And that verse that says that we need to prepare the new wineskins, the wineskin is our heart, the heart of the people. No longer is it the church's building's job to, to give something to you. You've got to actually reach out and grab what God's trying to give to you. That verse says that, that God will pour the wine, but he can't because if he pours it, the wineskin will burst. That's not he doesn't want to pour it. We don't have to get on our knees and beg for him to pour it. He's already holding the glass ready to pour. But he says, I can't pour it because the wineskin's not ready. Your heart is not ready for what I'm about to pour. 
So as a people, we have to ready our heart. What I saw on Sunday was my friend say, I don't want myself as king anymore. I'm done with that. Done. But I don't know what the next step looks like. That's when we as the body can step in and say, I'll show you what the next step looks like. It looks like my king, Jesus. If you've got a Bible, go with me to, to Luke 5, chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, 1 verse 11. I'm going to read it and then I want to break some of this stuff down and just take us on a little bit of a journey because I think that this right here is a prophetic symbol to where the church is at, to where as a people we're heading and I think we, we get a decision to make. So chapter 5, 1 verse, 11, one, <laughs> chapter 5 verse 1 and we're going to read through until 11. On one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gensarat. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who was with him was, were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and the son of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. The first thing we need to see here is that Jesus, he comes to the edge of the water and he's preaching before crowds. He's preaching before what seems like a, la a large crowd. There's two things that happen when Jesus gets in the boat. The first is quite interesting. And I learned this in a recording studio with um, a, a sound engineer who was trying to set up drums for me and teaching me at the same time, which was just a mess because I didn't understand. But he said, the way sound travels is that it actually travels across the water. Sound is able to, it actually increases and picks up when it goes over the water. So one of the geniuses of Jesus when he gets in the boat and he sails just off the shore is to increase his voice to reach the crowds. But there's something else and there's something bigger that I think takes place in this. And although that's genius that he knew that, and that he was able to actually make that work. But there's something bigger that I think we need to, to look at. But we can't forget the fact that there were crowds that gathered around him, crowds of people. In the church today, we have crowds of people. Some churches are full to the brim, are overflowing, masses and masses of people flooding in. But it's not just being there in the presence of the Lord that we see is the interesting part in this story. There's something bigger that takes place. Jesus gets in the boat and he calls out the fishermen who were washing their nets. So think about this for a second. You've been, what? You've been fishing all night. You finally get your nets out of the water. You give up. You go in. You start washing your nets. There is no way I'm getting back in that boat. 
I'm tired, I'm cranky, I probably haven't slept, I probably haven't eaten anything, I've been fishing all night to zero prevail. And a man comes and tells me, get back in your boat and bring your nets. You have to take that step to actually get in the boat. To say, the thing that I've been doing all night, the thing that I've been trying all night has never ever worked. I'm not getting back in the boat. Think about how many people are in this city, just this city, who have tried church for years and nothing happened. I've tried church for years, man. I'm not going back. I've done that. I've been out all night with my net. I'm not going back. You see, Jesus calls bigger of us. He calls us into something deeper. He says, get back in your boat. Come with me. I'll show you something. So the first thing that we see, the first thing that we learn in this story is I have to look past what I've done in the past. I have to look beyond the hurt and the pain. I have to look past all the disgust and torment that I've seen because God says it didn't work then, but I've got something bigger for you. Come with me. So they get back in the boat and they go out. He draws them out. It says in in the ESV is what I'm reading out of. It says he takes them out deeper into the deeper waters. So it's interesting. I think he, he, it says that he goes just off. It says that he's gone, they, they had gone just off and then they go deeper into the water to let down their nets. Jesus calls them and by faith they have to accept the fact that this man who's never ever been a fisherman, never ever been a fisherman, knows more than they know have been fishing all their lives, knows something that they don't. They put their faith in him to go out in the boat. They put their faith in him to say, this this rabbi of whom I have no idea how he knows a thing about fishing, I'll go with him. They go out, they drop their nets down, so much so that the increase that they get was bigger than what they were originally trying to get the night before, greater than what they thought they were going to get. So they go out thinking, Flip, I'd be happy with just one net because that's better than what we did. Yet Jesus overflows their boat. They start to sink and there's there's an overflow of their fishing onto boats around them. But the interesting thing about this is that as they continue, as they go back onto land, I'm not going to go into the fact that Peter, uh, Simon Peter drops down and he says, depart from me. He didn't understand who he was. He didn't know what God was calling him into. I'm not going to go into that. There's a whole sermon there on itself. But the interesting thing is that when they go back, it says those that were with him understood what was happening. The crowds that came in the beginning, the crowds that came and were standing on the side, where did they go? How were they able to see that miracle after seeing his teaching and walk away? We know that when Jesus finished, when he left this earth, he he finished with a number. It was 11, but it was also greater than 11, the effects that, that he had in, the, in, the, um, in his teaching around. But he didn't leave with masses of people. He didn't leave with the crowds that were like at the side of the river. And I believe that what this is saying, the prophetic picture that this is painting, is that Jesus calls us to go deeper into him and not to sit as a part of the crowd and watch from the bank. Jesus has something bigger for us, but there's a deeper calling in what he's saying. He's saying, I can preach to you on the bank, but when I ask you to get in the boat and come with me, I want you to come with me. Why? Because there's more out there for you. Deeper into me, there's more out there for you. We have so, so, so many churchgoers who have said, I'll come to the riverbank, but I won't get in the boat. I'll come and listen. 
I'll come and stand on the edge and say, I'm here, I've made it. But when you call me to get in the boat, I'm not getting in the boat. Why? Because it scares me and I've been doing it for so long and I don't want to do that. You see, God's ruffling our feathers. He's stirring us in this house to say, will you get in the boat with me? You can have both. You can stand on the edge. That's great. But I want you deeper with me. Why? Because when I bring you deeper, I will overflow your boat that you can't help but overflow onto other boats. There will be so much that I have for you that you will fill up to a place that you can't do anything more with it, that you have to just let it go over and over. You see, Jesus fulfilling the commandment that he said it was the best of all to love God first, come out with me. And then I'll fill you up so much that this loving will be so easy because everywhere you go, you'll just ooze who I am. But the problem is, is that we stand on the edge and we say, God, I'm not coming deeper because it upsets me. I have to give something up. I have to get there. I have to give over. I have to, I have to, I have to. And Jesus says, it's your choice. Get in the boat or stay on the edge. There's a verse in Psalm, Psalm 42, verse 2, where David is challenging himself about his soul. He's talking to his soul and saying, why are you so downcast? Why are you so, so not who I am? And he says this, it's phenomenal. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? He's talking to his soul saying, when will you soul? When will you come before the God? My spirit knows what to do. But it's my soul that's broken. It's my soul that, that needs repairing. It's my soul that I have to constantly keep um, working into. And he's saying, I want to long for you. I long for you with my lips, but it's my actions that don't long for you. That's why this morning when we're singing that song, um, I've forgotten the lyrics. <laughs> I'm desperate for you. <laughs> If you guys peeped into my head, there's so many things flying around. <laughs> I thought I was finished with that. Apparently not. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you, God. I long for you. That's what David's saying. I long for you, Jesus. I love, sounds awkward, but I love watching people worship. Because there's a passion when people get before God. Where they just, they, I can see in their face, in, in the way that they are crying out to God. They're saying, I long for you, Lord. The challenge in this is to carry that out, that longing day in, day out. Lord, I wake up longing for you. I go to work longing for you. I start my day longing for you. I finish my day longing for you. When will my soul, when will my soul come before you? When can I come and appear before you, God? God's saying we can appear before him right now. But you have to come. You have to get on that boat. You want more? You want more fish in your boat? You have to get on the journey with him. You have to go deeper with him. You have to step off the land into the boat and say, God, I have no idea where you are leading me, but I trust you. I've been fishing all night, but I trust you. You see, it comes to a personal revelation and understanding that I want to walk with you. And he will draw you in deeper and deeper and deeper. I read a quote. I haven't given an, a Tozer quote for a long time. It's been lacking in my sermons. I've been upset with myself. But here's a, I got a Tozer quote for this morning. 
Complacency is a deadly foe for all spiritual growth. Complacency is a deadly foe for all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long, so very long in vain. A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite authors because he wrote in such a way that I like, how can you write like that back in the 1800s when it's so poignant to now? It's, we haven't done anything. We've, we've, what you were saying then is still, is still prevalent now. What he's saying here is that when we get caught in complacency, day in, day out, Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Monday morning, when we get caught in that, we actually get ourselves in a place that we are limiting our spiritual growth. When we become complacent, we walk into a church and we go, yep, I know what it's going to be, two fast songs, two slow songs, uh, giving sermon, clap on the back, high five, sit down, sermon, coffee, go home. That's complacency. No, I said money. I did. Don't forget that. I know I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek and I'm, I'm saying it to us as well. My, the thing that, that scares me the most as a church leader is becoming complacent. Waking up on a Sunday morning and going, oh, I don't know if I want to go. I'd have got to because I'm preaching. And I don't do that. And I don't do that. But I bet, there's, I bet you there's church leaders been doing this thing for 30 years, 40 years who do that. I bet you there's... And, and, and what I'm saying is we've been caught in the foe of complacency. That it actually becomes not about our spiritual growth and us going deeper into God. It just becomes about putting on a show and creating something that we don't really want to create. Acute desire. Desire that is so pointed and understood... A desire that we go, that's it. That's what I want. Like I spoke about last week. Give me that beans, that bowl of beans. That's acute desire. He saw beans. He wanted beans. We've got to see God and want God. If you haven't heard that sermon, that makes no sense. Go back, have a listen. It'll put you in a little cry town. You'll have a little moment. It's great. I certainly did. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. You ever been, <laughs> you ever, you ever been at a party where you just feel like no one really wants you there? Like you sit in the corner and you're kind of like, I'm here, but no one really wants me here. No one comes talks to me. You just kind of feel like I'm at the party, but no one wants me here. Has anyone felt like that? Yeah? That's what it feels like when we don't have an acute desire for God. He comes to our meetings. He comes to our services. He comes to our homes. He comes to our dinner parties. He comes when we're sitting in the lounge room as husband and wife. And he says, I'm here. Do you want me here? And when we miss the fact of saying, God, I am desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. He goes, yes, my, my, my son, my daughter, they're desperate for me. I'm going to go. And then he goes and he rocks up and he stands amongst us. And we go, I don't really... Okay, we're just going to continue on with our stuff. We have to have an acute desire, a desire to want God to come, a changing of our heart that says, God, I want you. I can't live like this anymore. I want to live with you and through you. Then he says, okay, here's the, here's the new wine you've been seeking for. You're ready to accept me. 
my mate could have had that, that changing moment for him. And there's a, there's a long walk for him now. And I'm excited to be a part of that. But he could have had that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, five weeks ago, ten weeks ago, two years ago. It wasn't God that was missing from the equation. It was his acute desire that said, God, I want you more than anything. Come, change me. Come and be with me. As a people, we must cry out for more, for more of God in a way that allows us, allows him to take us deeper and deeper and deeper into him. Go with me to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, 25. Matthew 14, 25 says this. 25, verse 25 to 33. Hey, Juan, is that me feedbacking? Yes. Well, there's no one else up here. Must be me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying. Maybe it's my beard. Oh, no. No, that's fine. Here we go. Matthew 14, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What we need to notice here is that Jesus comes on the water. He walks along the water. They, they, they get afraid because they don't know what's going on. They're completely out of their element. They're completely out of the natural. They've never seen anything quite like this. So, of course, their first reaction is, it's a ghost. I love that that's where they go to. It's a ghost, not some sort of sea creature, ghost but they see a figure, they're out of their natural. This is not like a Sunday occurrence. We have to understand this is an extreme story. Sorry, it's not a story, an extreme recount of what's actually happening. It's, it's not simple. Sometimes we look at these verses and say, oh, yeah, he's walking on the water. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's not normal. That's not like Thursday just cruising out on the ocean. It was an unusual thing that was, that was taking place. But the thing we have to, have to look at here is why doesn't Jesus just get into the boat? He's there to see them. He's walking toward them. Yet Peter gets so excited by the situation, he gets so overjoyed that he yells out to Jesus. He positions himself, God, can I come out to you? Not he's standing on the side of the boat going, Jesus, come, come to me. He says, God, can I come out to you? 
Can I position myself into the absolute unnatural spiritual realm, do what I've never done before? I don't even know if I'm allowed to ask you if I can do this. I don't even know if it's possible. I don't know any of this, but I want to be with you. Can I come to you? You see, he positioned himself in a place where he actually was calling out to go deeper with Christ. He left everything else behind. Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. You see, we have to have the faith to ask God to call us into more. But it's by his power that allows us to step into the things of him. But we have to ask him, God, can I come? Please, can I come? Come. You see, I think if Peter just jumped over the side of the boat and thought, I'm going to go and see him and just leapt the side, he would have sunk. He wouldn't have made it in. Because he had to ask for the authority of Jesus, the one who knew the plan and the purpose, to say, can I come? And Jesus says, come. Come. Come and be with me. See, what I'm trying to communicate, what I'm trying to to get across to us is that it gets put onto us to ask him if we can go into deeper and deeper waters with him. The disciples in the first recount could have said, no, we're finished. We don't want to do that. We're going to stand in the crowd. And I think Jesus would have chosen another disciple. Who here, by show of hands, believes they're a disciple of Christ? Okay. So all of us. Yes, Dames. Dames, he did a wave. He's pumped. He almost did spirit fingers back there. As disciples of Christ, we are the ones he's chosen to come on the boat. The disciples of Christ were asked. They became disciples of him. But they got to decide, just as Peter did. And this is the next part of the story that I think is so cool. I just said cool. That's weird. I'd like to not do that again. (laughs) It's so cool. Uh, So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. In the beginning, he, he, he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. When we step out with Christ, when we step out with Jesus, Josh gave Sean and I an incredible revelation that it says that he will be a lamp unto our feet. We can still only see just in front of us. That even when we walk with him, we can still only see just in front of us. So we get one step. Oh, we can see the next step. When God calls us, when Jesus calls us into a place with him, it's not a natural, normal place. And here's the thing. It always relies on our faith to be with him. When, when Jess and I first got called to, to lead a church, that was as scary as could be. It didn't ease the moment I got, we got in there. I went, oh, no, we're here now. Great. I, could, I understand everything. No, every day I have to, and Jess has to have the faith to stay in this place. It doesn't get easier because we're in a more faith-stretched place. But Jesus says to him, you of little faith, you have to have the faith to stay with me in the place that I've called you. Because the place that I've called you is not the natural place. It's not the thing that makes sense. It's not the bank. It's not the safety of the boat. It's out with me in unknown waters where you have to trust me that I'm going to hold you up. 
You have to trust me that the fish are there where I tell you to fish. You have to trust me that when you talk with this businessman, he's going to have a plan and an idea. You have to trust me that I have the money for your rent, for that house you want to buy, for that thing that you're stepping into. You have to trust me. And when you step out in faith, don't stop trusting me because it'll get scarier every step you make. Does that make sense? God's calling us deeper and deeper and deeper into him, into the heart of Christ. He's calling us into a place, but you have to ask to come. You have to say, Jesus, me, I want this. I want to go deeper. This is not just a thing for me. It's not just a a culture. It's not just a, a way of life. I want to come deeper with you. Will you let me come? But because he is a good, good father, He's such a good God. He says, come, and I'll give you the provisions to come. But it never stops from us positioning ourselves to be with him, getting on that boat. Take me deeper, Lord. I don't just want to be be standing on the banks and, and seeing the things we've always seen. I want to see the supernatural. I want to see the things that you um, exchange with. I want to see the things that you live by. But then remember, when he calls you into that, We cannot lose faith. I want to finish with the back end of Psalm 47. Sorry, Psalm 42, verse 7, which is the back end of that, of David crying out to his soul as to why it's so downcast. But he reads something that I never quite understood until this week. He reads something that we've sung about in songs and I've always been like, I don't know that I understand that. I don't know that I understand why we sing it. But the, the thing that he says, which is quite interesting, is he says, deep calls too deep. The deep calls out to the deep. He also says other stuff in there, but I want to focus on this. I've cherry-picked, yes, because I, I, I'm trying to get a, a point across And David highlights things that we don't understand when he's crying out to his soul. So when he's sitting there and he's crying out to his soul to be better, and he he says to God, deep cries out to deep, this is what he's saying. He's crying out that God will reach in the inner part of his spirit man, past his soulish understanding, and minister to him from the deep of God's heart. The deep of God's heart cries out and calls forth for the deep of your spirit, man, to give you something that you didn't know you needed. There's a guy named Don Storano. He says this, In essence, there is the spirit of God reaching deep into the spirit of his children, bypassing all that which would attempt to impede that sweet communion and fellowship God so passionately desires to have with us. His spirit, the deep of God, is crying out, to the deep in you. The very things that that allow us to be one with Christ, God is ministering to and he's saying, will you listen to the deep of my heart into the deep of your spirit? And David is saying, he's saying to his soul, I want to pass you. I don't want you to have the opportunity to stop what God's saying to my spirit, man. So he's in, in a way, when he's saying the deep cries out to the deep, is he's saying the soul, you don't have the position to tell me who I am because it's from the deep of God that speaks to the deep of my spirit, man. 
Does that make sense? It's okay if it doesn't. I can explain it. Okay. This is a phenomenal understanding. The reason I'm not going full into what David's writing here is because he understands stuff that as a people we need to understand. That when we get in a place when we're downcast and we're, and we're trodden on and we feel like nobody has our back, when we feel like we've been beat, it's the deep of God that cries out to our spirit, man, to lift us up and remove the soulish understanding that we have. That's the deep. That's the deep crying out to the deep. That's God saying, there's so much more for you. Come with me. It's good, Mary. It's encouraging. <laughs> As a people, when we call for deeper things of God, he leads us into that place. But it's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to us as a body. I know that I, I, I get excited about wanting more because I think God has more for us. I think God has more for the church on the Gold Coast than we are sitting in. I think we're sitting in 2% of what he has for us. And that's being generous. That's not a beating on the church. That's us going, man, I, I, I want to see us come into more. I, I, want, I want as a people for us to understand the deep groanings of God, to speak into the deep of our spirit so that we can actually operate in the things that he has for us. So I want to challenge us this morning. Two things. Get on the boat. Ask God what that means and what that looks like for you. And then get on the boat. As a people, stop standing on the shores, seeing a church going, ah, it's pretty nice, or it wasn't nice. We'll go to another one, or we won't. I'm saying that to the online people as opposed to us here. But look for where God's calling us deeper into something. Get on the boat with him. When he says, I've got something for you. I've got something for you here. We had a friend um, in another city uh, friends of ours in another city called to us and and talked to us. Well, they were talking about their church that they were in and they were explaining the church and all the things that it was missing. And then they explained to us the heart and what they feel God stirring them in and what they're leading them in. And then they explained another church which has all those things that they're being led in. And Jess and I looked at each other and laughed and they said, what? And I said, well, I think God's got something for you. And they said, what do you mean? I said, those things that your church is missing. Yeah. That's what God's stirring you in. Yep. The thing that God's stirring you in is in another church. Yep. But you feel that he has you at the first church but doesn't have the thing that he's stirring you in. Yeah. So he's got you there for a reason. He's got something for you. But here's the point. You don't want to get on the boat. You don't want to go deep with him. You won't yell out to him and say, God, can I come out there where you are? God, can I be with you out there? You don't want to do that. When you do want to do that, God will, God will give you so much opportunity in that house you're already in. And guess what? They will flourish. You will flourish. That's where a pe as a people we have to get to, where we go, God, call me deeper. If you feel something stirring in you that's missing from this house, ask God, God, can I get on the water with you? Can I get out there with you? Give me an opportunity. Allow me to see where it is I can actually operate in this place. Give me that thing, God. I'm crying out for you. And in his timing and through his word, he'll say, come. Does that make sense? Get on the boat and ask God, can I come out to the water with you? Why don't you stand and we'll pray.
in two weeks' time, not next weekend, the weekend after, which will be the Thursday night. Ooh, Thursday night. I'm going to give you a little teaser so you have to come. Oh, yes. Let me explain this first and come. <laughs> I've been sitting on it since the worship, so it's pretty hard Share to sit it. on it. <laughs> uh, I get some weird visions, I have to say, but that's me. Uh, I saw a handheld motor mower. You all know the old motor mower that you push this hard work, and that's what we were doing. And then I saw beside it a streamlined, powered motor, right? It was everything on it, bells and whistles. And God said, I've given you the power to use this one because this will do the job. Um, so to me, that's virtually what you said. Yeah, it's good. Father, we, God, we just come before you right now, Lord. We don't want to push that thing anymore. But God, at times we don't understand how we change it, Lord. We don't understand what it is that you have for us and how we operate in that. God, we come before you right now. We say, won't you show us, Lord? Show us how we get into your boat to go deeper with you. Show us how, Lord, we ask you to step out onto that water. Show us how, God, we choose. We choose that lawnmower, Father. It's so much easier and so much more exciting. God, just reveal that to us, to step into your way. Lord, I, you lead this house. You lead this church, Jesus. This is your church. The church on the Gold Coast is your church. The church in Australia is your church, Lord. Come and lead us to where it is you have us, Lord. Show us where to let down our nets and we'll let down our nets, God. Call us to step onto the waters and stand with you. And allow us to never take our eyes so that we, we don't sink, Father. Our eyes stay fixed on you. Our faith stays fixed on you. We love you so much. I thank you, God. And I pray that whatever you speak here this morning just sows into this place. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, O oh Lord. Amen. In not next week, but the week after, the Thursday night, I want to... God's already shown me something quite incredible for, for, the, for my sermon, and I want to explain how we do this. I'm going to show through a, a vision that Ezekiel has about how we step into more with him because there's such a simple way that God's shown us, and I, and I believe he, he showed Ezekiel, and it's so incredible and so amazing that I nearly fell over when I, when, when I saw it. So that's going to be next, not next Sunday, the Thursday night afterwards. If you want to stay in worship, you can. If you want a coffee, go and grab a coffee at the back. If you've never had a coffee before, Dave Barsh will shout you one. So uh, we love you guys. Honestly, I don't just say that. We actually, I, I love, I love God so much. I love being in this house. I love being able just to worship and just be family. And it's, it's encouraging 
Every one of the testimonies and stories that come forward, we are encouraged by. Go and be blessed. Buy someone a coffee and enjoy.